Bon Jarrett has a heart for the people at The Way and a desire to reach the lost. The Way's production department prays this message is a blessing to you and that you find yourself closer to God through application. Claude Gary's texting me asking me, is there anything for offering? Is there anything for announcements? Is there anything that you need? This morning, 845, praying with understanding. I'm in the front row praying, seeking God. I turn around to walk out, and who's in the back row praying? Gary's in the back row praying. Then when we have worship, he's worshiping and he's crying. And then when he gets up here to receive, he's crying, not because he's more special than anybody, but you have to do things in a new way if you want new results. Amen. If you show up in the second song or the third song and you don't sing, then don't expect God or the Spirit of God to move upon you. Get there, do things new, do things different, and then expect God to move in a different way. For some people, it's going to be the next 10 years is going to be the same as the last 10 years. It's better than our past, but it's not good enough. That's the word I heard from Pastor Jason on Sunday. He said, good is not good enough. I want not just better than, than when I was unsaved. I want the best that God has for me. A new way forward. You know, sometimes when we look at people, I'm so grateful for that man, so grateful that he's an elder in this church, that he's a pastor, that he leads our youth, and he leads our adults as well, because the things that people don't see is where it's really happening at. We can all come in and out of the church. We can all have our own selfish desires. We're all human, and we all fall short in many areas. But put God first. Who cares about your friendships? Who cares about how you feel? Who cares about what you're going through? Put God first and he'll deal with all of that stuff. We need a new way forward. Somebody say amen. Yeah. Matthew chapter 17 verse 1 says, After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, led them up on a high mountain by themselves. He was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun. His clothes became white as the light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them talking with Jesus. Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, it's good for us to be here. Say us. us. If you wish, let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my son, my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. When the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces. They were greatly afraid. Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise, do not be afraid. And when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. And as they came down from the mountain, Jesus commanded them, saying, Tell the vision to no one until the Son of Man is risen from the dead. So God gives us these mountaintop experiences, not to make us believe that we're meant to live on the mountaintop, but to have us live in a way down here in the valley where we spend the most of our time. Amen. So Jesus says, 
those who are my disciples, those who are close to me, those who are not just disciples and close, but the three closest who always show up, who are always ready to pray, who always read and who are always willing to say, hey, I got somewhere to go, I'll go with you. Those are the three that he called. Everybody else is saved and everybody else is a disciple, but those are the three that he called. He says, come up to the mountaintop with me, I have something to show you. He brings them up to the mountaintop, and they already knew Jesus. But now they see him in a new light. He's transfigured. His, white, his clothes are white, and they're shining. His face is glowing like it will be when we get to heaven. He takes him to the mountaintop, and they say, Oh, my God, we've never seen anything like this. Not so that they could say, Well, let's just stay up here. We're going to live here for the rest of our lives. You know what happened? They went right back down yep. to their debt to their kids that are acting a fool, to their struggling relationships, to their frustrations internally. Right back down. God doesn't give us mountaintop experiences so that we can say, how do we stay on top of the mountain? He gives us mountaintop experiences so that we have a new way forward down in the valley. Amen. That's how you become a person that has peace that surpasses understanding. When people look at you and say, man, how are you surviving with your situation, with your circumstance, with your illness, with your lack? How are you surviving and still have joy? Because I have a peace that surpasses understanding because I've been to the mountaintop. I've seen things you haven't seen. He didn't tell me I get to stay up there. He said, hey, now go back down there to your stuff and walk with me with this new understanding. We learned on Wednesday night that we suffer, all of us suffer. Sometimes it's a consequence, but sometimes it's just the will of God that we would suffer. How many of you, close your eyes so we don't have to tell each other, close your eyes and just real quick, if you are suffering right now or have been lately, raise your hand. Nobody's looking, just raise your hand. All right, everybody put your hands down. We suffer. <laughs> Sometimes it's because of decisions you've made. Sometimes it's because of things you've done. Sometimes it's because you've let people into your lives that you should not have. But sometimes we just suffer because it's the will of God. You have to suffer. Jesus suffered not because of sin, not because he did something wrong, but because it's the will of the Father that he would suffer. And we learned on Wednesday night it's about how we suffer. See, when you've had mountaintop experiences, you can suffer in the valley with some grace, with some confidence, with some joy. Not only do we learn how to suffer, but we also become a people who know how to really have a good time, how to enjoy ourselves, how to have real freedom, how to have real liberality, right? It's like, man, I've seen the Lord. I'm free. I have joy. Yesterday, we went to a birthday party. I wish somebody would have told me the theme because I would have showed up all G'd up. <laughs> but it was like, man, people were just there having a good time. We didn't have to get faded, right? We didn't have to act all stuffy like, oh, we're Christians now. We can't even make a joke or say anything. No, we have freedom. We have liberality. Amen. Why? Not because I'm trying to please God, but because I've been to the mountaintop. I've seen him. Amen. And I know what's ahead of me. The one thing that's been made extremely clear to me in this last month, our April series of tenure, celebrating and looking back and thinking about the last 10 years, is that after a mountaintop month like it was for me, I've got to come down and continue to walk in the way of the Lord. We don't get to stay up there. We don't get to always have a ton of guest speakers. We don't get to always have the taco man after service. All you get is the ice cream man, and you got to pay for that. You know what I'm saying, though? Like, look, God told me it was amazing. It was fun. It was rejoicing. You had a lot of things to remember. It was like seeing God, you know, in a new light. 
But he says, hey, you don't get to stay up there. Get back down and get back on the grind. What you going to do? Oh, we're going to have some praying in the spirit. Okay, well, then what are you going to do? We're going to have some praying with understanding. Well, then what are you going to do? We're going to go on the sidewalk sanctuary. We're not just going to sit back and say, oh, what a great 10 years. No, there's a new way forward. What are you going to do new after this morning that you were not doing before you got here? If the answer is nothing, then you can go ahead and leave now. Why come? (laughs) Why come? You've already got your salvation. You don't need to see a transfiguration. The other, the other uh, uh, eight that were down, or let's call it nine, right, before Judas does his thing, the other nine that were down, they still had their salvation. They don't need to go up to the mountaintop. What they need to see him transfigured for? There's a new way forward. Hebrews 11, or excuse me, 13 verse 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Not you. <laughs> And not me. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Which means this. At the transfiguration, they got to see a part of him that was already there. They had just not seen it before. So they come down the mountain changed. When we encounter Christ, we get changed. He stays the same. When we come down the mountain, we start walking. We're walking on the same path, but we are different. Because of what we've seen. And because of what we've experienced. Hebrews 10, 19 says, therefore, because of everything I shared with you already this morning, that's what therefore means. Don't forget it. Think about it. Therefore, brethren, brothers and sisters, men and women who call on Jesus as your Savior, say us. Us. Say me. Me. Therefore, you, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new, say new, new, and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled with an evil conscience, or excuse me, from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the matter of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. There's a few things that, that the Lord says here. They're all important, but, but man, this scripture, I can't wait till we get there in our Bible study. Hey, a new way forward. If you don't go to Wednesday night Bible study, start going to Wednesday night Bible study. If you miss a service, think about us as a body that lives and breathes together. If you miss a service, get into the app and listen to it. Not so you can check it off and say, hey, I listened to it. So you can say, I'm moving with the body. Everything they heard on Wednesday, I heard on Wednesday. Everything they heard on Sunday, I heard on Sunday. When I show up, I'm not a step behind. I'm right with you. We ain't ready for a new way. He said that there is a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil. See, after salvation, after the veil is torn in two, right? It says that he consecrated a new way for it. It's new and it's living. It's alive. It has life. It's breathing. It's been consecrated for us. He says, let us draw near with the true heart, full 
in full assurance of faith. Again, when you come to service, when you come to the altar, when you come to a prayer meeting, you've got to come and draw near with full assurance that you have confidence. I'm not just going to get there at 845 to say that I got there early or in, in kind of like a hope, man, I hope that there, nothing else is working and I hope if I go today and pray that, you know, maybe, he'll, no, full assurance, God, you're going to meet me there. I might not hear what I want to hear. I might not get the answer to the specific question that I'm asking you, but you're going to be there and you're going to meet me there. That's what it means. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. God's always going to do something. When we get to the park today for Sidewalk Sanctuary, I guarantee you God will do something. What other place can you get guarantees like that? You can't get, you can't get guaranteed you won't get fired this week. You can't get a guarantee that you won't get an accident and lose your life or somebody's life that you love this week. The only place that we can find guarantees that always hold fast is in Christ. Then he says, therefore, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. Stop wavering. I want to be a great encourager in this church and I want you to be empowered and loved. But I'm also not going to lie to you. Stop wavering. Stop coming one week and missing another week. Stop reading for a little while and stop reading. Stop uh, uh, praying and then all of a sudden you're not praying. Stop wavering. Look, Lord, I don't feel like it today and it's not really going to sink in because I'm pissed off about my life, but I'm going to read at least for five minutes anyway because I'm not going to waver. Lord, I've been praying for a month and nothing's happened, but I'm not going to waver. I'm just going to keep praying. And what I'm going to pray is, Lord, help my unbelief. I believe, but help my unbelief. You read that in the scriptures because that's our real life. I don't know anybody that can walk in here and say, every time I pray, God just moved and he did exactly what I wanted to and he did it within 24 hours. No, what we say is, well, why are you still praying? Well, because I've seen him do all kinds of stuff in the past. I expect him to do all kinds of stuff in the future, but he's never told me how or when. He just does it, so I pray. That's what it means when it says... Hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. He also said there, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Think about each other. Love is not just going to blossom because we want it to. We have to stir it up. We have to get pulled out of our seat and go hug somebody. Right? We have to show up places that we don't want to show up. Right? We got to get pushed in the right direction. And then we got to let people push us we got to let people pull us. They're not trying to get on your nerves. They're not trying to make you angry. What they're trying to say is, stir it up. Love doesn't just exist and overflow. you got to stir it up. And then he says, stir up love and good works. It's not just going to happen. You're not just going to do good work. Somebody has to say, look, bro, it's been a long time since I've seen you on Sidewalk Sanctuary. Are you ever going to show up and love anybody else again? Oh, you're harassing me. Let me be a Christian. No, man. Stir up some good works. Do something. No, but I had lunch with my friends planned for today. Well, oh, good Lord. (laughs) And then the last one, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. God says, I gave you the church for a reason. Not just so. God is not in heaven like most churches do, right? You have to take account. You see how many people were there. You see, well, what did everybody give, right? And did they get their receipts at the end of the year? God's not up there in the, in the church in heaven saying, you know, well, how many people were there? What kind of resources do we have? What kind of missionary work can we do? No, he says, the church is a gift to you. The only reason I count is because you count. <laughs> it's because you matter. 
He says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Embrace it. Realize the gift that it is. Most of us complained, especially before we were saved, about being alone. And now God's given you a church and you don't want to go. So this series <laughs> is about new, right? A new way forward. But it's about new in the sense of obtaining something that you haven't had before, right? Like this mountaintop transfiguration experience. They had never seen that before. They had no point of reference for it. Imagine that happening. It's not like you say, oh, I remember that kind of happened before. Or remember that one time we heard about that? No, this is like, bam, this is new. We never had that. We never saw that. But now it's ours and it can never be taken from us, right? So I want you to have new experiences, new mountaintop experiences over the course of this series. But it's also about new in the sense of taking what you have already had and furthering it. Some of you guys have already had some stuff, but you got to further it. You got to say, well, how do I take what I've already seen, what I've already had, what I've already realized and further it, grow it, let it run deeper within me, let it have more of an impact in my life. Those disciples actually already had Jesus, but after the transfiguration, they had him in a new way. They had a new way forward. So I want to pray over you guys before we go any forward, for, further this morning. Lord, give them newness. Let it look the same from the outside as we pull into the parking lot, as we park our cars, as we walk into this place, but let it be new as we take steps toward you, Lord. Let it be new as we enter into worship. Let the experience of worship never be the same for anybody else in this building ever again, Lord God. Let it be new as we listen to your word preached and taught, Lord God. As we pray over our children, don't let us raise lazy arms, Lord God. Let us have faith and strength as we reach out and we, and we impart into these young people, Lord God. Let everything be new. In the world, it looks old and it looks uh, mundane and it looks redundant and it looks the same. But if we've had an experience with you, it's new every day. You say your mercies are new for us every day, Lord. Let that be the truth for your sons and daughters here in this place, Lord God. Wake us up out of a sleep. Shake us up out of our comfort zones, Lord God. Let us experience you. Let us further what you've already done, Lord. We have testimonies in this church of meeting you, of encountering you, of being forgiven of our sins and of being saved, Lord God. And those things are wonderful. But we learned again on Wednesday night, Lord, that those are just the beginning, the beginnings of what you have for us, Lord. That is the milk of what you have for us, Lord God. Let it be furthered. Let it be furthered in our lives, Lord God. We're looking for a new way forward, Lord. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. Your word is the same, and it will not change. It will not be added to or taken away from, Lord God, but it can affect us in a new way. And that's what we desire, Lord. Have your way over this series. Have your way over these people, Lord God, that it would not be a Sunday, Wednesday faith, Lord God, but that newness would, be, uh, would meet us every morning when we awaken, when we open our eyes, Lord, that we would be met with your newness, with transfiguration-type experiences, Lord. Have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right. So I want to start off with just uh, two quick stories that are help us build this foundation for this series. The first is out of Ezra chapter 3, verse 10. The children of Israel have been birthed as a nation. They've gone into bondage. They've been brought out of Egypt, but then they find themselves back in bondage like many of us, right? We got saved. We got pulled out of darkness and death, and then before we know it, we're back in bondage. We're back depressed. We're back anxious. We're back broke. We're back sad, right? So that's kind of what you're seeing here with the children of Israel. They've been sold into bondage and slavery again. And now they're trying to come out of it. And where do they start by coming out of it? 
with the kingdom, with the body, with the church. So Ezra chapter 3 verse 10 says, When the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests stood in their apparel with their trumpets, the Levites, the sons of Asaph, with cymbals to praise the Lord, according to the ordinance of David, king of Israel. They sang responsively, praising and giving thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever toward Israel. Many of you have heard that song, right? The Lord our God, he is good, his love endures forever, right? We don't just make up these songs, they come from the scripture. So picture them singing the song that we basically have mangled and turned into our version of it. His mercy endures forever towards Israel. Then all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord. Because why? Because all their needs were met. Because they had tons of finances. Because their relationship was so strong. No, that's not what it says. <laughs> they shouted with a great shout. They praised the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. Many of the priests and Levites and the heads of the father's houses, old men who had seen the first temple, they wept with a loud voice when the foundation of this temple was laid before their eyes. Yet many shouted aloud for joy so that the people could not discern the noise of the shout of joy from the noise of the weeping of the people. For the people shouted with a loud shout and the sound was heard afar off. So listen, they come out of bondage, and they haven't all come out, but there's been a small group of people, like us, who have gone to rebuild the temple. And as they're getting materials, as they're getting tools, as they're gathering together like we gather together, and everybody is focused on the foundation of the temple. They're not focused on their individual issues. They're saying, we've got to rebuild the house of the Lord, not only for us, but for the next generation. Amen. And after a season of working, they finally lay the foundation. There's no walls yet. There's no altar yet. None of that. They lay the foundation, and it says that everybody's shouting and praising God. But some of the people who have been around for a while are weeping, and they're crying. And some of the newer people are just excited and shouting. They're so happy about it, right? See, you have two different types of people in every church. You have those who have been around for a while here, seen some good things, seen some bad things, right? Then you have those who are newer, who have mostly just been experiencing some of the blessings and some of the good things in this last and latest season. Here's the challenge for every church, and here's the challenge for our church as we look for God to show us a new way forward. So there's two reasons why the older folk could be weeping. One, they're weeping because something they lost, they found again. We had no temple, we went back into slavery, and now we're coming out and we're going to have a church. That could be it. Right? Or they could be weeping because it's not like it was in the past. That's not how the foundation was before. That's not how we used to sing. That's not, how, that's not how long we used to worship. That's not how that ministry used to go. That's not how pastor used to talk with me and engage with me. You see, when things change, things change. Somebody say amen. amen. So these older folks who have the past with them are weeping, but the newer folks are saying, this is it. This is exciting. I love the foundation. I love the direction. Let's go. <clears throat> when it comes to a new way forward, are you going to be stuck in the past and crying that things have changed, or are you going to be moving forward and rejoicing with the future? God's the God of right now, and God's the God of tomorrow. Thank God for everything he did in the past. But if you want to hold on to the past, God is alive and moving. Yeah, that's 
A new way forward is going to challenge many of the people in this church to get out of your comfort zones. When you used to wait till service was over and then immediately you're talking to me, well, you need to talk to some other men of God who are pastors and leaders and shepherds here because I'm not the only one. When you used to be able to complain about certain things, stop complaining and start helping. And then don't take that personal or sad. Say, we should rejoice that there's something to help. See, what we get comfortable with, you know, on Sunday it was powerful. Everybody's standing up. I do this. I do that. Who's involved in this one? Who's involved in that one? Who's leading home Bible studies? It's like everybody was standing. After service, you know, during service, Pastor Jason talked about it. And after service, he's calling us, him and his wife, saying, it's crazy how many people, the percentage of people in your church who are involved in stuff and engaged. It's so exciting to see. But for us, it's just same old, same old. Eh, you know, I don't know if I'm going to go. I don't know if I'm going to hang out. <laughs> That's crazy. See, until, until you're taken back into bondage, then you'll be like, oh, I wish I had a sidewalk sanctuary to go to. I wish I had something to give into. I should have given before that church shut down because there was no resources. I should have prayed before my kids got too old where they're not even listening to me anymore. You better be ready for a new way forward. Second story is out of Acts 4.13. It says, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and they perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled. They realized that they had been with Jesus. Seeing the man who had been healed, standing with them, they could say nothing against it. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred amongst themselves, saying, what shall we do with these men? For indeed, that a notable miracle has been done through them is evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But so that it spreads no further among the people, let us severely threaten them that from now on, They speak to no man in this name, speaking of Jesus. They called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor to teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way of punishing them because of the people, since they all glorified God for what had been done. So Peter and John, not Jesus, Peter and John in the book of Acts, when Jesus had already gone back, they are healing people. Blind, lame, crippled, suffering, and Peter and John, disciples of Christ, I think these are two of the ones that actually got taken up to a mountaintop and had a mountaintop experience, but now they're back down in the valley, ministering to people in the valley, are being used by God to heal people. And what does it say? In order to discourage them, they were threatened. Your boss might threaten you. Your spouse might threaten you. Your family might threaten you. Stop acting like a Christian. Stop going to church so much. Stop praying all the time. Stop posting about Jesus. And you know what happens if you take those threats and you let them uh, reduce you and reduce the power of God in your life? Nobody's life will be impacted. Peter and John said, listen, you make up your mind. Should we listen to you or should we listen to God? We're going to listen to God. We're going to do whatever he tells us, whenever he tells us to do it. And we're going to see people being healed and people being touched. A new way forward is about not just saying, come to my church. A new way forward is not just saying, hey, listen to this app and listen to Pastor Preach or listen to our guest preacher preach because those were great messages by Pastor Steve and Pastor Alan and uh, and Pastor Jason and we have all this stuff. Yeah, no. 
You talk to somebody. You heal somebody. You be a mouthpiece for God. If you've had a mountaintop experience, the Bible says we're saved by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Tell somebody about it. They don't want to hear my story. They don't want to hear my testimony. They don't want to hear my message. They want to see your life changed. I walked into a room yesterday with half of the people were from the church and half were not from the church. You know what I realized when I walk in? My testimony means nothing to the half of the people that are not part of our church. But the testimonies of the other half that are part of our church, those are the testimonies that the other half of the room need to hear and see. If the other half of the room looks at you guys and you still look like you used to look, you still talk like you used to talk, you don't say anything that's new or changed or transformed, you don't have a spirit of God alive inside of you, that other half of the room is going to stay unsaved every time we see them. We need a new way forward. John 14, 12 says, Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these will he do. Because I go to my Father, and whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. Jesus is saying to his disciples, which includes you, whatever I've done, you can do. And you'll do more than I can do because I'm going back to heaven. Which means I can't walk anymore down here. I can't talk anymore down here. I'm not going to meet another woman at the well. I'm not going to see another blind man and say, what can I do for you? And tell him to receive your sight. He says, I'm not going to do it. But you can. But will you? You know why we won't? Because we're afraid. Because we don't believe. Right? Because we don't know the word of God. Because we haven't tested it. And you know where you get that faith? Show up to prayer. Hit the altar. Sing when you're afraid to sing. Just let it out. And the next thing you know, you'll say, man, I opened my voice and the spirit came inside of me. There's something I had that I didn't know I had. I might as well talk to somebody about it. To me, this is obviously the most pressing testimony with Gary getting up here and crying. But when he first got to church, he wouldn't say anything. We were talking about it yesterday. When they first walked into our church, we were in another building. He said, where am I? What is this? These people are crazy. And now he's up here saying, we're all in one barn together. (laughs) I love you guys. You see what I'm saying? But that don't just happen. It does not just happen, and it will not just happen. And here's what happens to most of us. When you finally realize that it's available and that you could have been, you'll look back and say, how did I spend so many years doing nothing? Who did I, who did I miss out on? Who should I have been talking to and praying for? What was I thinking? All because I was chasing after some things for myself that I never got anyway. I saw a post yesterday of one of the young cousins in the family that's gonna be going off to the University of Arizona. And, uh, and it's exciting to watch them go off to the University of Arizona, but really the thought in my heart was, man, we should have prayed for her more. We should have, when we had family functions, instead of us just making our way around the room, we, we should have went and talked to her and said, what's really going on in your life? What's really going on in your heart? Do, do you have any faith? What do you see in your, in your family's life? What do you want for your future? Now she's going to go off and be influenced in Arizona for four years by people who do not know God, who are their same age, and we didn't lay any foundation for her. Man, what were we doing, God? What were we doing? Oh, I had to, I had to paint the house. Um, I wanted to buy a new car. Um... My relationship was just so tough with that person and I just had to give all of myself to where we were. 
We need a new way forward. 1 Thessalonians 1.5 says, Our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance, as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. What that means is we cannot just tell people about church. We cannot just tell them Jesus came and Jesus died and you can be saved. It has to have power, which means you have to actually be able to say, look and see. Follow me as I follow Christ. Remember how I used to be and how I used to think. I'm not the same anymore. Amen. Paul says it came with power. Anybody could tell a story. But let one of those people encounter the Holy Spirit. Then all of a sudden it ain't just a story, right? We need a new way forward. If you've been trying to talk to people about God, thank you, Jesus, for that. If you've been trying to be a witness for God, thank you, Jesus, for that. But I guarantee you this. Spend the next three months not talking to anybody and praying every day. Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit and then watch what happens. Because it's easy to say, God, I want to, but it's not just working. But I really tried. It's harder to say, God, I'm going to set time aside to be filled with your Spirit in a way where I don't have to do anything. You do all the work. I'm just a conduit because I know you. And because I know you, I'm not even trying to affect other people, but I am affecting other people. You hear the testimonies in reverse. When you come back and somebody says, you know, hey, you did this or you said that, and you're like, I don't remember doing that. I don't remember saying that. What that means is the Spirit of God is alive inside of you and affecting the people around you. We forget these things. After all these years of being saved and Pastor Jason being here, after all these years of everything that everybody's been through, you know, one thing that really ministered to me, he said, you know, I would read books and try to give them to Pastor Bond, and he'd be like, no, I'm not going to read that because I haven't finished reading the Bible a couple of times yet. And then when you fast forward all these years, and I'm constantly yelling at you guys, show up to Wednesday night Bible study. Read the Word of God. It reminded me that that's not just something I preach here. That's what God did in me 15 years ago. He said, don't read anything else. Stop reading uh, novels. Stop watching shows. Stop filling your mind with nonsense. First and foremost, build your whole life on this. And I had no idea it affected him the way it affected him. To the point where after all these years, that's what he remembers, is that as a young pastor, he tried to give me a book to read, and I told him, nah, I'm not going to read that until I get this. See, I wasn't afraid to tell my pastor that. You know why? Because I knew that this is what matters most. What matters most to you? What are you doing and saying that's affecting people where decades from now they'll look back and say, she told me this. I remember one time they invited me somewhere and they said, no, I can't go because it's the, it's the Easter service. That might affect somebody. That might change somebody's life and you have no idea. We need a new way forward. So I have a song for you guys. <laughs> Sometimes you need an old way forward as you go on the new way forward. <laughs> you got to take what you already had with you. So I got a song for you guys that I'm going to play. But uh, before we do, this is what I want you to think about just for a second. Our 10-year series, you know, it represented our past, right? The last 10 years of things that God has done here um, in this church. But it also represented your individual past. Everybody here has a past. And you may have been with the Lord for 10 years. You may not have been. Maybe it's only been a few months or a few years for you. But there's always this past that, that is represented. What we talked about was a deep breath in our 10-year series, right? Everybody just take a deep breath. Go ahead right now. For me, that's been part of my new way forward. I find myself almost on a daily basis stopping and taking a deep breath. Like, Lord, it's not as serious as I think. 
it shouldn't be consuming me right now and causing anxiety in my life like it is, Lord. Let me just stop for a second and take a deep breath. It's working. We talked about being a drop in the ocean, but the ocean being made up of drops, right? You matter this morning. More than collectively talking to the church, I'm talking to you and your drop. You matter. We talked about unclaimed wealth. There's still stuff that God has for us, right? And then last week, we talked about deep roots. And then you heard the testimonies, right? Like, there's deep roots. Even when you weren't there, when the roots were taking hold and being laid, you still, you still benefit from those roots, you know? It's like a tree. When the, when the fruit finally comes on it, right? We weren't there when that seed was planted and when it was watered and it was growing, but we benefit and get to taste the fruit, right? It was wonderful last week to hear about deep roots. So we look at our tenure and we look at our past and you look at your tenure, you look at your past, and then let's look at the way forward. Let's think about your life and your way forward. So go ahead, Zach, you can play that song for us.
Oh, man. That's a good one. I love all the lines, but at one point she says, I came here with nothing. <laughs> I came here with nothing. You can have all of me. Man, so good. You know, I want to move forward, and, and I know I don't typically do this, but I've heard that song probably a hundred times within the last week or two. And, uh, but this is the first time that as it was playing, I just felt uh, the Lord saying to you, Sarah, that you got songs in you, girl. You got some songs in you that have to be written, and they have to be sung, they have to be shared. Focus on that. Focus on, uh, man. Mm. So our series, A New Way Forward, in this week one, is uh, New Wine. I believe that we uh, have been a church that's been with Jesus for 10 years, right? So when it says that they looked at Peter and they looked at John, they said, look, these guys have been with Jesus. We know it. I feel like people can look at our church and say they've been with Jesus. <laughs> like they're not faking it. It's not uh, a show. It's not just some building that they go into. Those people are with Jesus. But I believe that we're becoming a church that has been uh, baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit and with power. See, there's a difference between being with Jesus and knowing who Jesus is and loving Jesus and saying we've been baptized with his spirit and we move in his presence and in his power. There's a difference. <clears throat> Acts chapter 2, verse 1. I'm going to read through a few scriptures here. And I think we'll see some of that difference. This idea of new wine, like the song said. Acts 2, 1 says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They were all, excuse me, and they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together, and they were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? All right, stop there, verse 7, real quick. The picture is God, Jesus has gone back to heaven. The church is looking like we've been with Jesus, but what do we do now? We need a new way forward. They say, let's just gather. Let's not forsake the assembly. Let's remember what God said and what Jesus taught us, right? They're sitting there. The Spirit comes. They begin to speak new things that they've never spoke before. And it says that everybody that could see them or hear them gathered to them because they were speaking their language. Man, I hope you can pick up what I'm putting down this morning. <laughs> Think about what that means spiritually. Every, imagine everybody you know gathering here because they're starting to hear you speak things that you're speaking their language. They can, they can hear you talking to them when you talk. They're receiving it as if it was a special message just for them. That's what's happening here, both physically and spiritually. Everybody's coming in saying, man, all these dudes are from Galilee. Fishermen, how, how do we understand? How do they speak in our language? We came from another nation. People should be looking at us and say, man, all these people are from the way. How are they touching all of us? How do we all feel compelled to be with them? Verse 8. It says, how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born, Parthians, Medes, Iliamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, Libya, Cyrene, visitors from Rome, right? Brea, La Habra, Fullerton, 
Whittier, Chino, <laughs> Diamond Bar, Chino Hills, Newport, Irvine. How is it that we hear them speaking something to our hearts? We come from different backgrounds, different families, different incomes and educations, but we feel it and we hear it and it's for us. Yeah. Or maybe this is just some old book. says, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them speaking in our own tongues, the wonderful works of God. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? Others were mocking and said, they're full of new wine. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words, for these are not drunk as you suppose. Since it's only the third hour of the day, but this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last day, says God, that I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maidservants, I'll pour out my spirit in those days. And they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above, signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire, vapor and smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness, the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Remember, Peter is preaching this to everybody you know and all of your friends who heard something was happening, felt compelled but didn't know what it was about. So they all gathered at the way or they all gathered in Jerusalem around Peter and he starts telling everybody. If you call on the name of the Lord, you'll be saved. Verse 22, men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to by God, to you by miracles, wonders, signs, which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know. Him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you've taken by lawless hands, you've crucified and you've put to death. God raised him up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. For David says concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he was at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart rejoiced and my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh also will rest in hope. For you will not leave my soul in Hades, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. These are the words of David, but he's talking about Jesus. He says, you're not going to leave my soul in hell. I go there to lead the captives out of captivity. He says, you won't even let my flesh see corruption. I have to raise within three days because after three days, the body starts to corrupt. And Peter's preaching this to all the non-believers that we know. But he only has an audience to preach that because the spirit in our lives draws them into us. He says, you have made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of joy in your presence. Men and brethren, let me speak freely to you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that God sworn, had sworn with an oath to him that the fruit of his body, according to his flesh, he would raise up the Christ to sit on his throne. He, foreseeing this, he spoke concerning the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God has raised up, of which we are all witnesses. Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and hear. 
David did not ascend into the heavens, but he says himself, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. They said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what, what shall we do? Peter said to them, repent. Let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I know it's a long portion of scripture, but it's so important for our way forward. Number one this morning is that this is new wine, but we ain't drunk. <laughs> it's new wine, but we ain't drunk. We haven't lost our minds. We're not going to start acting a fool, but it is new wine. He says, they say, they're drunk, they're acting crazy, they're speaking in tongues. Some people are hearing it in their language and their hearts are being drawn to Christ, but we think they're crazy and we think they're drunk. Peter says, listen, this ain't new wine. It's 9 o'clock in the morning. We don't get down like that. That's what he means when it's the third hour. It starts at 6 a.m. It means the third hour is 9 a.m. And Peter is talking like we would talk. This, they ain't drunk. Look at the fruit of what they're saying. Look at the fruit of what they're doing. And if you stay here long enough to hear the message preached, watch how some people come out of death and into life and say, what shall we do? We've been cut to the heart. They ain't drunk. They're filled with the Spirit of God. It's new wine. It's a new way forward. These disciples went from walking with Jesus, talking to Jesus, wrestling with, at that time, it was verbal, but it's literally the word of God, right? We went through Matthew and now we're in Hebrews. So they're just walking with Jesus, talking. They don't understand. He explains it. They still don't understand. He explains it. Sounds a lot like Sundays and Wednesdays here, right? We don't understand. We just keep explaining it. We keep preaching it. We keep praying it. But then all of a sudden there's a new way forward. They go from having Bible study and talking about things to the Spirit of God descends upon them, fills them with the Spirit. They start talking to all their friends and their family. They all gather together, and then lives are awakened out of death and into life. What are you looking for in the next 10 years here? How much better your life can get? Because it didn't sound like the disciples were together saying, hey, guys, how can we just have the most awesome lives now that Jesus is gone and we're the only ones that know him? Like, what can you have, Peter, with your wife? Right? John and James, what do you guys want? You guys are the brothers. You asked for that seat right next to him. What's the best thing going to be for you? Nah, man, they got filled with the Spirit. They start caring about other people, and then all of their lives got better. It's a new way forward. It's crazy because I got needs like the rest of the people here, right? I mean, I'm not even going to make you close your eyes this time. How many, of you got, how many of you got a need? How many of you came at least one need this morning? All right, amen. We all got needs. During prayer this morning, at the very end of the list, we prayed for 10 things together as a church, right? At the end, it said, pray for your needs, <laughs> Right? You got to pray for all these other nine first, but then you get to pray for your needs. And for one of the first times, it was like, Lord, I don't really need anything. Like, you know what I have need of before I even ask, number one. Number two, you've already done more than I could ever ask. What I really need to know is what you want. Right? I don't come to church for me anymore. And I don't say that to be mean to you, but if you're still coming for you, come on, get on with it. I come for you guys. I come to glorify Jesus, to praise Jesus, right, to thank Jesus, but I come because you guys have needs, and I want to be used. She said, make me a vessel, make me an offering. That's what the song said. Amen. Not make me a cake as fast as you can, because <laughs> I need something, and I heard you the man, <laughs> right? 
She didn't, she's not singing about herself. I came here with nothing. Everything I have, you gave me. Why should I keep coming and asking you for stuff? I should show up and say, man, Lord, who's coming today that's on the verge of turning back that I might be used to give them a word of encouragement and a hug that will restore? You still coming for yourself? He didn't go for himself. He didn't come for himself. He was fine where he was. He was Lord of Lords, already transfigured, the glory of God upon him with angels and the host of heaven worshiping him. But he came down not to be served, but to serve. Man, we got to get it. We got to get it. The Spirit will give it to us. Almost done, guys. Mark 2, verse 1. So number one is, it's new wine and we ain't drunk. Number two, out of Mark 2, verse 1, it says, He entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. And immediately many gathered together, so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near Jesus because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. And some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, Why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven you? Or to say, Arise, take up your bed and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, Arise, take up your bed and go to your house. Immediately he arose, took up the bed and went out in the presence of them all so that all were amazed and glorified God saying we never saw anything like this before I go any further that's verse 12 the friends bring the paralytic who's dead in his sins and his body is damaged they can't get to Jesus so they don't just stop at hey come to my church they don't just stop at hey here's the app they don't just stop at, hey, here's a text, I'm praying for you. No, they rip the roof off and drop him down. Amen. A new way forward. Stop being so quick to give up. Rip the roof off and drop your friends down into the presence of God. We cannot get saved on the faith of other people. So how did Jesus say, I saw the faith of his friends and I saved the man? The relentlessness of the faith of the friends caused faith to be built in the man who was broken. When they saw, when he saw, hey, they're not going to give up on me. They already found Jesus, but they keep coming back for me. They've already been made whole, but they want me to be made whole. That's how our friends are going to get saved. Amen. And then you rip the roof off, you drop them down, the man gets saved. Salvation matters more than the physical condition of our lives. Your life may look broken, but you can be whole in spirit. Our friend's life may be broken for a long time, but they can be whole in spirit and whole in Christ. And then Jesus says, look, I came to make people whole and take them to eternity. But since you guys want everybody's lives to be better, all right, take up your bed and walk so they can see. Not that I'm going to make everybody's life better, but when I say your sins are forgiven, it is finished. And then the church. So you've got friends of faith dropping people down to be touched. You've got Jesus in the presence. You've got a man being healed. And then you've got the church saying, who does he think he is to forgive sins? 
We never saw anything like this. He went out again by the sea, and all the multitude came to him, and he taught them. As he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax office. He said to him, follow me, Levi. Levi becomes Matthew. That's all it took. Think about that. Matthew. How did he get saved? He was sitting at the tax office. Jesus walks by and says, follow me. How many of you guys did your taxes this year? You tell anybody to follow you? <laughs> it sounds crazy, but we make it so complicated. He's sitting at the tax office taking people's taxes. Jesus walks by and says, hey, I'm Jesus. Follow me. In our daily lives, it's the same thing. Hey, follow me as I follow Christ. And he went. He arose and followed him. It happened as he was dining at Levi's house. Now Jesus is dining in that man's house, right? Many tax collectors and sinners also sat together with Jesus and his disciples. For there were many, and they followed him. And when the scribes and Pharisees saw him eating with tax collectors and sinners, they said to his disciples, How is it that he eats and drinks with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus heard it, and he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician. I didn't even see this, but think about this for a second. The disciples are, are there. And Jesus is eating with sinners and tax collectors. The church comes to the disciples and says, hey, what's wrong with your teacher? And the church, the disciples don't have to defend themselves. Jesus hears and Jesus speaks to the ones who are accusing. Does that make sense? So when you're doing what God wants you to do and people begin to accuse you, right, or to judge you, you don't have to worry about it because Jesus will speak to them and tell them he or she is doing what I want them to do. Leave them alone. You want to talk? You got questions? Bring them to me. Don't talk to her. Don't talk to him. <laughs> so when Jesus heard, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. The disciples of John and the Pharisees were fasting. Then they came and said to him, why do the disciples of John and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? Jesus said to them, can the friends of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast in those days. He says, look, this is where we are, and there will be a new way forward. There will be a new day. But he's saying right now, you fast because you don't feel my presence. Why would you fast if I'm right here with you? Why would you not fast if you don't feel the presence of God? How many of you have said he feels far from me? I haven't felt him in a while. I haven't felt his touch. I don't feel his comfort. Fast. That's what Jesus is saying here. Then he says, last two verses, no one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment or else the new piece pulls away from the old and the tear is made worse and no one puts new wine into old wineskins or else the new wine bursts the wineskins, and the wine is spilled, and the wineskins are ruined. But new wine must be put into new wineskins. See, where that scripture comes from matters this morning. People are getting saved and dropped through roofs. The church is being challenged and convicted, right? Sinners are dining with Jesus. Disciples are being accused. Jesus is defending disciples. He's saving sinners. And then he says... This is about new wine and new wineskins. If you've got an old wineskin with new wine, it's going to burst and you're going to lose everything. But if you've got new wine and a new wineskin, everything will flourish. Number one, it's new wine and we ain't drunk. And number two is about mathematics. Old plus new equals nothing. 
new plus new equals new. If you take the old wine and the old wineskin that you've already had in your last 10 years or one year or one month here in this church and you try to put it into the new wineskin of the direction that God is taking us, you will burst and you'll lose the wine and you'll be trying to figure out what happened. You cannot stay the same with where God is taking your church. You cannot stay the same with where God is taking you as an individual. You've got to have new wine for new wineskins. Jesus is telling them, the end of this age has arrived. In the past, it was about what God spoke through prophets and the word that he gave, and then you guys have to try your best to be able to meet those requirements and live in a way that honors me. He says, but that is coming to an end. Where we are headed now is I'm about to leave. I'm going to send my spirit. He's going to write my word and my laws on your heart and on your mind. And then he's going to fill you with his presence. And you are going to be new creations. If you try to be new, but with the old wineskin of the law, everybody's going to die. It's going to spill all over the floor and nothing's going to be accomplished. You've got to be new, new. Like new, new. Right? New spirit, new wineskin. As a church and as an individual, are you old or are you new? I don't know what you thought when you came into the church this morning, but here's the question you got to ask yourself before you leave. Are you leaving old or are you leaving new? Do you have an old wineskin where you're like, look, look at my old wineskin. I spent so long making it. So long building it. It never burst before because this is what God had for me and it stretched it. It used to be new, but now it's old and I love my, I love my old wineskin. But I'm wise enough to know that if Jesus tries to give me new wine, it'll destroy this. So which are you going to do? Are you willing to lay down your old wineskin and your old wine and leave out of this place this morning saying, I got a new wineskin and I'm ready for new wine? But you don't get to do both. Don't be mad when you see people with new wine and new wineskin living in the spirit and by the power of the spirit and with the joy of the spirit, knowing that you chose your old wineskin and the old wine. Don't get mad when somebody walks into the church tomorrow, gets saved, and is living in that new wine, and you got your old wineskin. Because Jesus said, you get to choose. The law leads to death, but the spirit leads to life. Hebrews 8.10 says, Jesus, Father, says, I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they shall be my people. When you have this experience, you'll do less, but you'll be more. <laughs> How many of you are trying so hard to be more and it just never works out? When we look at other people, it seems like they're doing nothing and their lives are just being transformed. It's new wine. A song comes on and they don't go, oh, here we go again. <laughs> They say, oh, maybe this is new. Let me get my wineskin. Where's my wineskin? Skin, skin. Is this old stuff? Bam, they pour it out. What's the song? Is there new wine in it for me and for my church? Last one. This is Acts chapter 8, verse 4. So it says, Philip went down. These first two stories are about Jesus, right? This last one is he's already gone. This is Acts chapter 8. It says, Philip went down to the city of Samaria, and he preached Christ to them. And the multitudes, with one accord, they heeded the things which were spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. Unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed. And many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. 
And there was great joy in that city, but there was a certain man called Simon who previously practiced sorcery in the city, and he astonished the people of Samaria, claiming that he was someone great, to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, this man is the great power of God. And they heeded him because he had astonished them with his sorceries for a long time. But when they believed Philip, as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Say baptized. baptized. Then Simon himself also believed. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed seeing the miracles and signs which were done. Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John, the same two, right? Transfiguration, healing other people. Now there's a whole new city of people getting saved, and who do they send? Those are the two that they sent. They sent Peter and John to them, who when they had come down, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus when they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. When Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also that anyone on whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, Your money perish with you because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. You have neither part nor portion in this matter. Your heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent, therefore, of this, your wickedness, and pray, God, if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you're poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. Then Simon answered and said, Pray to the Lord for me, that none of these things which you've spoken may come upon me. So when they had testified and preached the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise, and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So this story, you, you see where it starts. The people are scattered and they go preaching all these places. The story ends somewhere that we've been as a church, right? After this happens, it says, Philip hears the, the angel of the Lord says, go down to this road. We know that he's going to meet the Ethiopian eunuch and he's going to get baptized, right? So this is the book of Acts. The church is acting upon the things that Jesus said and the spirit that they've now been filled with. This particular story, though, is the last point, number three, which is of water and spirit. These believers believed in Jesus. Say amen. amen. They got baptized in water. Somebody say amen. amen. But that wasn't it. Think about that in your own walk right now. They said, we heard Philip come down here. He preached the gospel. We had Simon the sorcerer who, who showed us yoga and showed us tarot cards, and showed us how to read Turkish coffee when you turn it upside down, and showed us how to, you know, we had, we had Simon, he showed us all this stuff, he's the power of God. But then Philip shows up and they say, man, he told us about Jesus and there's real power there, we're seeing everybody get healed. And they say, we have faith, we want to believe. Philip says, all right, let's do this, they found water, he baptizes them, all these believers. And then the church says, hey, we got to send Peter and John, they need the Holy Spirit. Be honest this morning. Have you seen God? Do you love God? Are you saved? Have you been baptized in water? But could, you, could it be that you haven't been baptized with the Spirit yet? Could it be that you're doing more than you're being? Could it be that the Word of God is not really yet written on your heart and written on your mind? Could it be that your spirit is still in contention with the Spirit of God that says, I don't want to go? And he says, 
man, you, you, my spirit is drawn to me. How could you not? My spirit wants to go. So if you don't want to go, that's your spirit, not mine. Amen. My spirit loves my word. So if you don't want to read, that's your spirit, not mine. My spirit loves to care for other people. If you don't want to care for people, that's your spirit, not mine. Could it be that we have not been baptized in the Holy Spirit yet? Because that's what it says here, that they said, let's send Peter and John. And then what happened? They laid hands on him. You guys believe? You've seen the power of God? Let us pray for you that it would just consume you and you'd be baptized with the Spirit of God. And they lay hands on them and they receive it. To the point where the, the guy that used to talk about tarot cards and sorcery, he's like, man, I want that. I used to try to wow him with my power, but I see what you guys have is on a whole other level. I'll even buy it. It can't be purchased. The only way to receive it is to receive it as new wine. We've got to be humble enough to come to God this morning and say, I've enjoyed the old wineskin. I never had anything like this before in my life, and it's been so good to me. But Lord, if you say so, I'll lay down this old wineskin. I'll lay down my hopes of an old friendship. I'll lay down whatever it is that I've been desiring from you and from your church. I'll lay that down if you promise me to give me a new wineskin and new wine. It's a new way forward. In just a minute here, I'm going to ask some of you, <clears throat> who wants to be prayed over? Who's willing to come to the altar? You've been here for years and you've heard it hundreds of times. Who needs this? Who needs that? Who wants to be prayed over? Who wants somebody to come up here and, and just have hands laid on you, believing in faith that God's going to do something? And some of us will move forward the same way we have in the past. It's the same old, same old. Now I'm not going to go. Or I am going to go, but I'm not going to believe. Stay there. Others might say, man, I need new wine and I need a new way forward. It's been great up until this point. This first 10 years of being a pastor of a church have exceeded my wildest dreams and imaginations. I'm so grateful and so thankful, unbelievably grateful and thankful. But you know what? This first Sunday morning of year 11 has been better than all the rest. I need a new way forward. On Sunday, Pastor Jason said that I was always at the altar. I don't know if you guys heard it. If you didn't, listen to it. We forget these things. He said, you know, he calls me Pastor Vaughn, but at that time I was just Vaughn. But he said, Pastor Vaughn, he was always at the altar, every service, every service. And then to be honest with you, I've spent the last year, 10 years calling people to the altar instead of being called to it. So it's easy for me to forget. I'm still on you guys like I am about Bible study and like I am about hitting the altar. Not because I want that to happen, because I remember what happened to me when I did that. When I read the word of God, my life changed and it changed forever. When I went to the altar, I was filled with the Holy Spirit and my life changed and it was changed forever. So when I call you to the altar, it's not so that you and I can have this, this moment together. It's because look, if you read and if you hit the altar, I went every single service. And you know what? Probably 80% of the time I was kicking all the way up there. I don't wanna go to the altar. I hate this place. I'm tired of this dude preaching straight at me. I'm tired of everything that I'm going through, but whatever, God, I'm going anyway. <laughs> Help me, Jesus. And then you never know when it's gonna be where he's just like, bam. Like, bam, there's nothing you could do about it. And you can never go back. So this is the last scripture. Worship team, would you come? What's the song that we did first this morning? You won't relent. 
if we make it to two songs, let's do song number two too. So I thought about it as we were worshiping. I knew what I was going to be sharing this morning, that he won't relent until he has it all. So if you think that you're going to be able to survive without getting baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit, he ain't going to relent. He ain't going to give up. So you might as well go somewhere that says there's no spirit and you can do without it. Because if you stay here, the new way forward is every single time. I'm going to be praying before you get here. I'm going to be praying when you leave. Bam, hit him, Lord. (laughs) Fill him with the Holy Spirit because I know you will not relent until you have it all, Lord. Acts chapter 10, verse 44. So for those of us who maybe we've been waiting, we've gone through a lot with the Lord and he's done a lot already, but we know and we've kind of said already this morning that uh, there's more that he has for us. We need those hands laid on us spiritually. We need that presence of the Holy Spirit to write some things on our hearts, write some things on our minds, overpower us, overwhelm us, and then empower us to be used. There's another version of the story too. Thank God for that. Acts chapter 10, verse 44 says, Peter is now speaking to Cornelius and his family. It's a group full of non-believers. Peter goes into their house, which he shouldn't be in as a Jew. And he's telling them about Jesus. Cornelius, his family, all of his friends are there. Says Peter is still speaking. Like he's just telling them the story about Jesus, right? And the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision who believed, they were astonished. So Peter had a couple brothers with him. And they were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on these Gentiles. They heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then Peter answered and said, Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. So look at this. This is the direct opposite. These are people that walked into the church that day and did not know Jesus and were not saved. And before they could even get saved and baptized in water, they got saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. They start praying and speaking in tongues and they start sharing scriptures that they never read before. And Peter and his friends are like, oh my God, look at this. We just met these people on the street. We've been praying about them for a long time. We didn't even know that God would do this. Look, look at what he's doing. And they say, let's just baptize them. Let's get some water right now. Let's baptize them. Here's what I believe for our new way forward. I believe that we are entering into a decade where we're going to see the work of God accelerated in the lives of new converts. Amen? We are going to see people walk into this place with an attitude. Walk into this place not wanting to be here, not wanting to hear the word of God, only coming because you made them come, and then we're going to watch them get filled with the Holy Spirit before they walk out. And we're going to watch them say, look, I don't care what it has to be. I don't care if the person that brought me shows up. I'll be here on Wednesday. I'll be here on Sunday. What do I need to do? What should I be reading? When can I get baptized? What's next for me? We're going to see that happen. I believe with all my heart, we're going to see that happen. And we are going to be astonished. But here's the hope. I want us to be like those that came with Peter. They didn't get jealous. Because that's going to be the temptation, right? If you've been struggling for like 10 years or 8 years or 2 years, if you've been struggling and you see somebody else come in and get what you've been wanting, it can lead to jealousy. I hope that's not the case. I hope what it leads to is us saying, man, I got to trade in this old wineskin. I see new wine is available. I got to trade in this old wineskin. The vision I have 
but I feel like it's from God. It's, it's not going to be physical, but every day when everybody leaves and I walk in here with gin on Saturday to clean, we're fighting all kinds of old wineskins. Right? Like, dang, who left this here? Did I say Danita on it? <laughs> that, did I say Soleil on this wineskin? Did I say Brenda? Man, is this Joe's wineskin? Remember, remember when he got this thing? Just old wineskins all over the place. Amen. Be astonished and then trade in the old for the new. Here's the two questions. Number one, what have you already seen that needs to be furthered, right? What have you seen from God so far in your walk that you say, it was good, but I need to further it. I got to develop it. I got to see more of that. I got to get into the word and say, man, I remember you did this, Lord, but what does it actually say about that? I remember I felt this, God, but let me read about somebody else that felt that and then what they did so I can do the same thing. What needs to be furthered in your life and your walk with God? And the second question, what area of your life would you like to leave with a new way forward in this morning? Think about it. Go ahead, close your eyes. Stand with me and close your eyes. The second question is very, very important. I want to give you a minute to think about it. An area of your life where you know you came in this morning in a certain heart condition, you know you came in this morning with a certain way of thinking, you know you came in this morning with a certain way of actually acting in that area, and you would say this morning, hey, I want to leave with a new way forward. I don't want it to be because I put in effort. I don't want it to be because I've been praying so long. I don't want it to be because I just desire it so much and I position myself for it. No, just literally because I trust God that I can have a new way forward right here, right now. The same way that people came into Cornelius' house, they heard the word, they got filled with the spirit, then they got baptized. They went into the house one way, they left out of it another way, and they didn't do anything to deserve it. What is it in your life right now? You know this thinking is wrong. This way of living is wrong. I'm already a Christian. I have, I have access to God. What area is it this morning? Think about it. You want to leave with a new way of thinking. Not just a new way of acting, but I'm going to think differently. I'm going to believe differently. I'm going to act differently. You can have it this morning. Not because I say so, but because God says so. Not because we hope so, but because he's confirmed it in his word. And many of us have experienced it. A new way forward. So here's the first question. Heads bowed, eyes closed. If you're here this morning and you're not saved and you want to be, I want to give you that opportunity and I want to pray with you. The Bible says that first Peter got up and he spoke to all these people. They all heard the, the Spirit speaking to them in their own language. And he says... This is the Spirit of God. Do you want to be saved? And 3,000 people got saved that day. The other story, some friends brought another friend, dropped them in through the roof. They met Jesus. He got saved and he got healed in one day. And in the last story, Cornelius, a bunch of non-believers gathered together. The word begins to go forward. They get filled with the Spirit. They get saved. I promise you this, 
Every single one of them got saved in one day, in one moment, with one decision to put their faith in Jesus, and then they all got filled with the Spirit. Some days later, some months later, and some right there in that moment. The same will be true for you. It might be today, it might be as the brothers and sisters in the church come around you and begin to pray with you and pray for you and lay hands on you in this next season of your life. You'll be filled with the Spirit. You'll have confirmation. It might be today in this very moment, but it will not happen unless you choose Jesus. It will not happen unless you say, Lord, save me. I put my trust and my faith in you this morning. If that's you, you've heard the word of God, you've been cut to the heart, you believe in Jesus, but you want him to be your savior, just raise your hand. Amen, I see you, brother. Amen, I see you, sister. I see you, brother. Anybody else? Anybody else? Three is good. Four is better. Is today your day? You've been leaning on somebody else's faith. You've been watching somebody else walk it out, but you haven't been. Is there anybody else this morning? Today's your day. I want to be saved myself. I want to make my decision. Put my faith in Jesus. Anybody else before we move forward? Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. For the three, Lord, you see their hearts. You know who they are? Fill them with your spirit, Lord God. Let them be open to getting new wine from the beginning, Lord Jesus. That they don't have to pour out old wine. They don't have to get rid of old wineskins. Give them a new wineskin with new wine. Let them begin to be the trendsetters and the leaders. Let them be the most faithful, Lord God. Let them have testimonies and dreams and visions about who you are and what you're doing that would compel the rest of us to say, look, we're going in the direction they're going. We want to see the things that they're seeing. We want to know you in the way that they know you, Lord God. You have more for all of us, Lord. Would you use these three? Confound the wise, Lord. Confound those of us who have already been walking with you, Lord God. Convict those of us who have already known you, Lord, to trade in our wineskins, Lord God, for new wine. For the rest of us, we're going to sing this song, then we're going to have communion. And there's just a simple question. If you're ready for a new way forward, maybe in one area, maybe in a lot of areas, I'm going to ask you to come forward. Let hands be laid upon you. Be prayed for prayers of faith. If you know an area, if you know this is for you, the Lord will not relent until he has it all. Come and lay down your old wineskins right here at this altar. Be prayed for, but have faith before you come. It's not going to be from me or from my hands. It's going to be from your faith and my faith joined together and the one who's given us life saying, I have more for you. Hallelujah, Lord. You see I was nowhere you came to my rescue From the grave I've been raised When I needed a savior to save me, Jesus, you made a way. love you to visit our church at 451 West Lambert Road, Suite 204 in the city of Brea. Our service times are Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. For more information, please visit our website at www.thewaybrea.com or you can download our church app by visiting your app store and searching The Way Brea.
Be blessed.